guys, I want to talk about an event happening this weekend. 2023's MidFest, hosted by yours truly from the podcast. That's right, the McAllister Hours are hosting this event. It's going to be a really special time. We're going to have a lot of crazy stuff. They're going to have bingo. They're going to have food vendors, raffles. They're going to have a fucking mini ramp going by the stage during the show. That's going to be fucking crazy. They're even going to be having some free food from 6 to 7 p.m. They're going to be kick- We're going to be kicking off the podcast with a podcast, at two, so I should say, at 2 p.m., followed by the show at 3 um, it's going to be at 2877 Taft Avenue in Garner, Iowa. Mission's only $5, guys, happening on May 20th. So, guys, if you got nothing coming on this weekend, come check it out. Again, that's at 2877 Taft Avenue in Garner, Iowa. Zip code 50438 on May 20th. Mission's only $5, guys, $5. Come out, have a good time. I also want to talk about a brand new release from... Once again, Artist Obs, who just off his last release, Sometimes I Wish I Kept My Eyes Closed, has come back with a brand new collaboration with someone that you know from the podcast, Dirt Nasty Beats, with their brand new release, From the Dirt, which you can find on all platforms now. Here's a short snippet. To think I used to be obsessed with proving myself. Proving myself. I'm rich in spirit. I ain't proving my wealth. I'm moving what? the belt. Cross all the backs of children talking back. Not talking adolescents, but rappers who need a lesson. But if I get... And finally, a uh, word from our sponsor, our oldest sponsor. Um, these guys have been with us since the beginning. Starbucks Productions. Who, if you know, if you are looking for a spot for your next show, if you're looking to, you know, get something going this summer, there's still time to hit them up. Um, it, you know, I, I mean, I don't know because I haven't hit them. You know, I haven't talked to them about any events, but I mean, if not this year, next year, you know, I assume that they have a lot going on. So, <laughs> as always, because that's what they do, right? Right, everybody. I'm not with it. I'm doing these ads, okay. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for a solid team of people to get you started with your next performance or event, these are the guys to contact. They're always busy, in motion, behind the scenes in the Midwest, and they have plenty of shit lined up. Uh, so what are we aiming for? Head over to their Facebook page for all your needs today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Stars Podcast. I'm your host, always Cole McAllister. Um, joined today, we have a super special guest, um, local Iowa celebrity, basically, um, Scott Sipker. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. I I, I could fight you on the use of the word celebrity. Uh, <laughs> as long as it's a lowercase c, I, I will just shut my mouth. Cool, cool. Well, uh, I, um, people might know you from uh, your uh, hit video, Iowa Nice. Um, that, that was about, I think, 11 years 11 ago. 11 years ago, yeah, somehow. long time. And, and I don't want to just make you out to be that. You've done quite a bit since then. Um, I, I mean, we're going to get into it today, but, you, um, when we met, I think a couple months ago, you kind of went into your career. So, um, you've done a lot. You've done a lot of things. It's an honor to have you here, man. So thank thanks. you for coming uh, in today. Thanks for having me, Cole. Yeah. Um, so just first thing before, uh, we get started, I wanted to ask, um, what's like just kind of so people you know can understand who you are maybe a little more uh what is it that you do what's your background um get into all that yeah i'm uh i grew up here in rural iowa it's unlikely that i would oh (laughs) hello i i grew up in rural iowa it's unlikely that i would pick the path of uh, being a filmmaker and an actor uh my parents are both blue collar workers so it was a bit of a head scratcher to them when i decided (laughs) that's what i wanted to do in college but uh, went down that path, um, really was focused on theater for a long time. Yeah. Then I realized you can't really make money at theater <laughs> very easily. And it's easier to make money in uh, in, in film. So, yeah. um, Were your parents pretty supportive of that? Yeah. Thing? I mean, ultimately, my parents loving and, and, and very caring, even if they didn't fully understand what I was doing, which Good. is fair because I didn't fully understand what I was doing. <laughs> uh, but we uh or i went through and eventually uh paired up with uh, a guy named paul benedict who knew how to turn on a camera and i knew how to be in front of the camera and uh and then we started a film company and we put out a variety of things no one watched and then we put out iowa nice and then the the world seemed it felt like the world was watching that that one couple days in uh 2012 early january and that changed the course of my life and uh, i wouldn't be sitting here right now uh talking to you without without that moment happening of course after that we um uh, kept putting out more content eventually 
later uh, we were invited to be on ESPNU to do college football comedy content for two seasons. And uh, and then it kind of clients started asking us to make videos for them, which means they were paying, which was nice. And uh, then we were eventually able to do what we really want to do, which is put out feature-length films. So we put out our first feature-length um, last August. Uh, it's called Kinnick the Documentary. It's a 90-minute feature about Niall Kinnick. So, about what, sorry? Uh, Niall Kinnick. Uh, he he won the uh, Heisman Trophy in 1939. He's who oh. the stadium in Iowa City is named after, Kinnick oh. Stadium. Okay, um, cool. And he, a really, really interesting guy, ended up uh, perishing in World War II. Uh, and if he hadn't, uh, Ronald Reagan said he probably could have become president. So hmm. he's a really interesting cat and... And so it, it's been an honor, and now we're looking forward to uh, our next couple features. Hmm. So let me ask you this, because I, I imagine that's a little bit of a transition. I'm in video production, for those who may not know, so I kind of, I mean, obviously I'm at the level you at, but I kind of have an understanding of how that um, all works. I can imagine there's quite a jump between, or from, you know, doing something like, you know, Iowa Nice and these skits to, like, doing a full length you know, biographical, historical type of thing. Uh, I guess, like, what did you learn in that process? And, like, what was it like kind of transitioning into more of, like, a, you know, a different beast? Yeah, Iowa Nice and the stuff that we did for ESPN was very much about churning out a lot of content quickly. Mm. Uh, doing Kinnick the documentary took us 10 years. Wow. So wow. Uh, it was a lot of research and patience and, of course, much more polishing uh, went into the film than we would on our normal two-minute videos because, well, we had the time and also we wanted it to be to the level uh, which it ended up at being. And so that's making a lot of content quickly teaches you to be okay making mistakes. Mm. And because some stuff isn't great and it still has to make the air because the deadline is here. And so you learn very quickly what works, what doesn't, and you learn how to work quickly and then savor the luxury of time when you have mm. it. Yeah. So, so 10 years, wow, that's a long time. Did you edit that yourself? Yeah, we, I'd, so there are four of us that made the film, and we, our, lead, our lead editors were also our directors, Paul Benedict and Christopher Cook. We all, though, wore all the hats that we needed to. So if you watch the film, I was responsible for cutting out the hundreds of different newspaper articles that we used on film. You would, this is a completely thankless job. You would only notice it if I did a bad job. Yeah. Uh, it was so yeah. uh, diligent to just um, click and click and click. But uh, it, it's work that needed to be done. We did a lot of highlighters. Um, so I used After Effects in that sense. But my contribution to the editing is nothing compared to what Chris and Paul put into the film. Um, and they were our lead writers. And they also, I think, I'm so, I'm so proud of the script that they they crafted, and uh, it's, yeah, I'm I'm just lucky to know talented people. Yeah, well, I, I, I the fact that you're able to do full length features, um, I'm sure there's you know hundreds of thousands of people across the state who would love to be able to do that. I mean, to really get to that point in time. Um, I guess let me ask. I know it's a little early in the interview to ask this, but like, what kind of piece of advice would you have? to someone who, you know, maybe is like me or like someone else who's just starting and, you know, looks up to you and wants to get mm. to where you're at. Well, it won't be easy. Uh, <laughs> and if it you, was everybody, would you, do it, right? yeah. <laughs> and, and also you need to have an honest conversation with yourself. And this, I don't mean this to sound crass, uh, sure. but you need to have an honest conversation with yourself, whether or not this is something you're good at. Mm. Uh, if you are, then the next step is just start making stuff. Uh, if you're the if you're a producer, uh, or like I learned to be a producer so that and a writer so that I could give myself roles because really is an, an actor is what I want to be and mm. and so I spent a lot of time on camera um, and and so I did all that just to give myself acting opportunities along the way. I, I kind of acquired all these other skills, but now with what technology is. Uh, you can shoot a lot of stuff yourself. Um, you're going to have to learn how to collaborate. But at first, if you're getting started and you're trying to make money, what I suggest to people is you go down to the mom and pop shop that's close to wherever you're at, and you tell them, hey, look, I'm trying to get this video production business started. Would you allow me to make you a 90-second video about your business for free? 
if you like it, will you promise to tell three of your fellow business owners that I did a good job and that if they're looking for video production, they should call me. Um, that That's what I suggest to people. One, figure out if you're good at it. And if you're not, can you get good at it? Mm-hmm. And if you can't, then you got to pick something else. And you can keep video production as a hobby. Sure. There's no reason it can't be a hobby. But if you want a career, you got to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Or you got to be able to get good at it. And then just put yourself out there. There's so much competition now that you have to find a way to break through. Um, you know, when we were doing Kinnick the Documentary, even after all the success we had with Iowa Nice and ESPN, no one really, with money, believed that we could do a 90-minute story. Mm. And so we had to put ourselves out there and do a lot of it on spec. Um, and now we got it done, and now we have the proof of concept. So it's unfortunate that sometimes you have to do that. It's not ideal. It's certainly maybe not even fair that you don't get paid for work that you do. But unfortunately, I think that's that's a path. That's one of the paths that you can take. Okay, and and actually, that kind of answers partly the question I had, which is like, you know, you know, me and like others as like videographers, like we do want to get paid. We do want to make that career. Like, I guess, how much for, would you say of your career? How much of a percent of it was like? you know free work you know into like free to like establish that business relationship or to gain your experience or whatever well at first we weren't really trying to do client projects so we were doing a uh, still the dream project is a um, a drama about hitmen from chicago who are oh. in charge of uh, transporting templeton rye back and forth Oh, fun. Um, but it turns out to do a 1930s period drama. <laughs> you need millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't have that. Uh, we tried. But um, so a lot of it was we got together. We worked for maybe a year or two uh, where nobody was actually uh, watching our stuff. And so then what did we do? We just kept pushing and eventually fell on Iowa Ice, which we did for free and got lucky that it went viral. And and so, unfortunately, I, I don't know what... This is something about society I wish I could change that artists from the beginning could be paid for their work, but it's <laughs> yeah. just not the way it is. And as much as I wish for this utopian art world, it just doesn't exist currently. We can strive for it, but it doesn't exist. And so there's a practical, a practical purpose to me saying, unfortunately, you're probably going to have to do some stuff for free. Um, if you can find another way... You take it, right? <laughs> if you go to the mom and pop shop and say, hey, normally I would charge $2,000 for this. I'll give it to you for $500, uh, but, and then will you pass? I mean, you could try that too. Yeah. Um, you could ask. It, maybe they would. Um, they're more likely to do something for free, but try it. See, w- see what happens. Uh, sure. you, getting to be a good negotiator is an unheralded skill mm. that people don't tell you about when you're running – a video production company. You are a business owner first, and so you got to be comfortable with setting your rates and negotiating on your own behalf. Yeah, I can imagine that's a very uh, difficult thing to grapple with when you're first starting. Now, that's kind of the problem with like you know what we do. You know, uh, you know, just at its core, is like it's it's subjective. It the is. media is subjective. I mean, it, it's sad, but I mean, any jackass can get a video camera and make something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's it's determined on like whether it's like a certain class of people or the person that you're trying to sell the product. It's determined upon them, you know, what the value is. I remember when I was in school, like one of the first, like that was one of the first hard lessons I learned is that like, you know, there's something that a teacher didn't like. And then we got into an argument and then they said, you know, yeah, it's just subjective and I just don't like it. <laughs> and yeah. that's like, that's a really, you know, cold slap in the face, but that's really what it is. Yeah. The advice I have about finding or setting your rates is have an honest conversation with yourself and say, okay, I'm going to do this video for a mom and pop shop. How much would, what amount would make me feel really good about mm. doing this? And maybe at first it is Maybe it's $500. Whatever it is, if it's $50, whatever it is, go in and ask for that. Mm. Then if they say yes right away, then you know, oh, I could probably ask for more. Or maybe you get some pushback. And they're like, well, we we can't do $500. Uh, We can do $350. And you're okay. Um, you you start you got to throw you got to throw a dart at the board to see yeah. where it lands and then you you can base your information off of whatever evidence is coming in so 
the subjective uh, subjectivity of it all is that first time you're going out to try and uh, get paid, you're going to ask, what am I supposed to charge? And don't worry about if you're charging too much or too little when you get started. Just if you can get past the free stage, just be comfortable with getting something and and then be like, okay, did that, do I think I get more? Should I ask for less? And then you just, as you get better, you're going to get paid more and more, ideally. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And Makes you'll sense. get more comfortable at asking for more because you're like, I can see that that business that I, that I did that video for, they've increased their traffic to their store by 10% or whatever. Man, I this video is actually bringing value. So you go to the, the business owner next, whoever it is, and you say, hey, I think that uh, if you do a video with me, I think it can bring you $5,000 worth of business. Uh, I'm asking you to pay me $1,500 to make this video. Well, okay, now we're having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a very difficult thing. It's like, you know, putting it realistically, like, and, you know, having confidence, knowing your self-worth, like, that's something, like, you know, I struggle with even with the podcast, you know, but, like, you know, I've had a, I've had to put, like, a, you know, for people who want to come on, I've had to put a, uh, a price on them to, like, because, you know, you, you get to a point where it's like, yeah, I mean, if you put your stuff for free, anybody will do it, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to have some kind of, um, you know, dollar amount to kind of, you know, figure out who's really serious about it. And who's just kind of, you know, doing it for fun. And that's fine if you're doing it for fun. But, like, you know, people like us, there's a there's a certain point where it needs to actually, you know, accumulate something. Absolutely. And it, it's a hard road to to walk down sometimes. But you can make it. It, it just requires some work and perseverance and, uh, and talent. Yeah. Let, let me ask you kind of like a broader question. Um, what do you think about, like, um, film and media as a whole? You know, we're kind of getting to the stage of like, you know, uh, there was recently the writer strike. Still going of, on. Yeah, yep. yeah, because of the AI. Um, you know, and uh, like we've been kind of talking about, technology is just becoming um, more accessible, more easy to use. I don't know. Wh- how do you think that those things impact the future outlook of, let's say, both, let's say the film industry, as a, the film and media industry a whole, as a whole, but also like Iowa and maybe, you know, this. Mm-hmm smaller cluster people we have here well first off i would uh, i'll take the second part first which is i think more technology makes it more likely that people will not want to live in the the biggest cities i think it life is a little easier uh Mm -hmm. in in the slower parts of the country um which is desirable like one of the reasons i like living in des moines is that i get to complain about the weather instead of the traffic and (laughs) and that's that is a real luxury to me, and yeah. I don't want to be stuck in traffic. I hate it, um, and so it's a good place for me. But certainly, technology—what I did with what we did with Iowa Nice wouldn't wasn't possible twenty years ago. Uh, it was the advent of people watching YouTube and the cheapness of of equipment mm-hmm. uh, being able to be produced. That we were able to be in Iowa and make something that started a national conversation. So. Things have changed in that way. So I think technology will continue to make it so that you can live where you want and do what you want. Now, AI is here, and it is definitely going to replace a lot of what I do as a video producer. Uh, Am I uh, scared? Yeah, I am. I I, I think the, the, the quality is so good already. Where it's going to be in a year and five years and ten years is probably going to be adjacently undistinguishable from what a human produces maybe even better i hope not but it's possible right so um right now the only like i can sit here and, and whine and complain about it but it is here and it's going to continue to be more and more ubiquitous so the only option that I or anybody has is you got to lean into it. How is AI going to help you? How is it going to help you make a more profitable company? How is it going to help you find a career path? How is it going to help you be happier? I know that sounds crazy, but that's what AI is going to be doing. Um, and we got to be we got to be careful with all of that. Of course, uh, there's. <laughs> We could get into the whole Terminator situation, but <laughs> for the most part, for for this conversation, 
right now, not everybody is using AI. Use it to help you get ahead of everybody that's not using it. And then hopefully we'll figure this out. <laughs> we'll just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, I do like when it, I mean, when, and we don't have to get into this, but like the entirety of like the AI discussion, like I find myself kind of in the middle, like kind of on the fence because I do see that Terminator Doomsday Outlook, but I also see like, oh, this is an amazing tool. Like uh, you see, I saw a video where an AI took like just chopped up like an hour podcast in like seconds, just down the line. Um, you know, so like it, it is easy to like look kind of look at the doomsday scenario, but like I, there's part of me that's kind of like yes, like there's something about this that just makes it yeah. better and easier. You know, it, it's difficult. There's, there's no doubt that it will make some things better in our society. I think it's going to have a tremendous say in medicine. I think it's going to help us live longer, healthier. Uh, but, of course, it is going to be taking some jobs, uh, and probably a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have to figure out, as a society, how we, how we juke. Yeah. How, do we, how do we advance this? And uh, right now, you know, that, that's where I want everybody that's listening to just think, all right, this is happening. We're at the beginning. We're probably actually in the middle we should have probably been talking about this 10 years ago. I agree, yeah. But it's here now. It The train is going, and it's only picking up steam, so you better you better jump on as quick as you can. Yeah, I agree. That's well said. Um, let me ask you about, like, um, let's, let's just let's go back in time to uh, Iowa Nice. Um, I, as sick or not sicker you might be talking about at this point. Um, do, do you, and I don't think this at all, but I'm just kind of curious, because you've had that success of Iowa Nice, do you ever find, like, kind of getting put in a box, kind of like, oh, I'm the Iowa Nice guy? Do you get kind of sick of that at all? Or Well, I know when I talk about this that I sound like I'm being uh, an elitist or a diva. <laughs> But it was something I was concerned with right away. And so for the longest time, I didn't, I didn't want people to call me the Iowa Nice Guy. If you watch the Iowa Nice Guy videos, you'll see there's a very distinct difference between me and that character. Mm, yeah. But I also know that that Iowa Nice Guy moniker has given me the life that I have now. Mm. And so I appreciate it. And I'm fine with people calling me the Iowa Nice Guy. The Iowa Nice Guy is actually, if you watch the videos, a real jerk. Yeah. <laughs> he's mean like the whole reason it's called Iowa Nice it's supposed to be satirical um, yeah. and because we're telling people to F off in the video mm-hmm. that, that so of course that's lost I know that's a little too nuanced but it's lost uh, over time and so yeah I am the Iowa Nice guy and I'm, ha- I'm elated to be so um, but I do try to, to be Scott Sipker and I haven't technically played that character now seven or eight years i still have the suit the tie you know the pin i have i still have it all maybe someday we'll bring it back i don't have as much hair but uh maybe someday we'll bring it back um but well really the uh, another practical reason why i i kind of put the iowa nice guy thing um a little away from me is because people started asking me to give uh, public speeches and giving a public speech as the character of the iowa nice guy would not go over well and so I needed to be able to be myself to talk for 45 minutes and be animated and whatnot. And then I brought uh, incorporated uh, different aspects of what we did with that character, like making fun of Nebraska all the time. So I do that <laughs> in my speech. But uh, it's, I am not, I'm not mad about it at all. I'm very, very lucky. And it's given me so much. And the people of Iowa have given me so much. And so... Uh, while I am a hoity-toity actor, and I want people to know I played Macbeth, um, and I played him well, according to me. I uh, spoke like a true yeah, actor. That's right. um, I I know that the the when I when I die, the first line of my obituary will say I went nice guy, and isn't that cool? Yeah. Like you already like I know like it's that happened in my life. And there's so many people who are better looking, funnier, more talented uh, than I am. And I just happen to get connected with the right people and be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And uh, we were able to do it. Well, I I can say, unlike your character, you are a nice guy. Thank you. (laughs) 
Um, let me ask you this kind of um, kind of in relation to that. Like, uh, obviously, the character is satirical and, you know, you're not necessarily being literal. But I do, in watching that video, I do kind of pick up on a sense of, like, some kind of, um, I wouldn't necessarily say criticism, but just, like, kind of a caricature of the state of Iowa. Do you, like, I guess, how do you feel about um i was a whole like the good and the bad do you think it um do you think there's potential here do you think it's kind of just like that stereotypical like you know redneck type of thing like what what do you think? well that certainly was what we were fighting against in the original iowa nice if you watch the yeah. original iowa nice you know we highlight the fact that uh you know um, iowa was the first place in the country where uh you could have interracial marriage it was the first place in the country that uh, we desegregated schools um, we had the first woman in America as an attorney. We had the yeah, first woman in, in, uh, in the country to be a judge. Um, obviously, we legalized gay marriage, I think, second. Yeah. Um, so, and w- at that time that we did it, we had gone, we had voted Democratic five out of the last six presidential elections. Of course, that has changed. We've gone Obama, Obama, Trump, Trump, which is, you know, just a weird, weird thing. <laughs> but um, I grew up in a state that was purple. Uh, and here in Iowa, it is mm-hmm. definitely red now. There's that's absolutely what it is. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And but I I am hopeful that you know I, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. I, I love this place. I, I love the people. And I I I just ha- I think this is a great place to make a life. And and I also. You know, I certainly disagree with some of the things that are getting done, but I, I want to be a part of the change. I want to be a part of this state's history as a citizen. And we we have had a rocky history. I pointed out some positives <laughs> of our history, but we certainly have had other things that I didn't mention that are are not good. Sure. And uh, and I think you'd find that in any state. That's <laughs> n- I, I guess ultimately, if if I'm a young person. I, I'm looking around, and I, I really think this is a place that, because uh, of, if we set aside the politics, which I know are super important, uh, um, that there there is a path forward to being an agent of change here. If I lived in Los Angeles, let's say I had won two Academy Awards goal in Los Angeles, I probably still couldn't get very much done. Yeah. But if you're just outgoing in Iowa, you can... You can get into a place of influence and a place of being a change agent. So at least maybe I'm being naive. It certainly could sound that way, but I, I don't want our I don't want our best and brightest to leave. I want our best and brightest to stay and help forge the future of the state. No, um, yeah, I, I I like what you're saying. I really do because I I feel a lot of the same way, and uh, I, I like that you said like maybe you seem naive because like I always feel like that too. You know, when people, t- uh, like, you know, graduating video production, like, oh, are you going to go to L.A. and the coast? I'm like, no, I, I, I really want to stay right here. I think there's a lot, of, a lot of potential in this state, you know, not even from like, you know, the social political aspect, just like, economically. I mean, we live in the cheapest state in the country. I mean, last time I checked. Um, and I mean, there's just so many good things economically going here. I mean, however you feel politically, you, this Iowa is a place where you can um, create your own environment. You know, you can afford to live here. You can, you know, pick and choose the people that you interact with, especially if you move somewhere like Des Moines where there's a variety of different ideas and types of people, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I, I really I really don't like when people say it's naive because it's like, okay, well, to what? To L.A.? Um, we just had uh, House of Leopold. They're um, Seth and JC. They, they uh, do, like, uh, a lot of different uh, music and graphic design type of stuff. And they did this in L.A. And they just they came back because it was just so... I mean, it was just outrageous. They couldn't live there. And, like, you know, the dream the dream out in those places is dead. I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, it, things are certainly changing. Um, again, part of it comes back to technology is changing yep. that as well. So, you know, my point has always been I want to use Iowa as a trampoline to get national. Mm. We've done that on a few occasions. I, my, my plan is to continue to do that, and hopefully we'll be able to be building or making uh, top-notch feature-length films right here in Iowa. Mm. Okay, and that actually, that's great because that leads into my next question. What, um, and you can be as specific or general with this as you want. Um, as like a state or individuals in Iowa, what do you think are the best steps going forward 
to like creating something that symbols like a film industry in Iowa or Des Moines or Cedar Rapids or wherever, you know? Well, the tax film credit scandal uh, from 13 yeah. years ago uh, is really poisoned the soil. And so we will not be getting uh, tax credits back. That's not going to happen. Hmm. Um, something so seismic would have to happen uh, that would change that fact on the ground. I, and I just don't see it happening. So we're left with... I think this option, which is we just have to make good film here anyway, proving the point that we can make good film and that we can employ Iowans and we can bring in a lot of money through the film industry because that absolutely happens. The amount of hotels that you need, um, the you know, equipment rental, uh, all we have, we really we have a great we have a lot of great locations. Obviously, we have great uh, we have some good restaurants and mm-hmm. and we have everything here to support. Uh, the film industry, but we have to prove it over and over and over again. I think that to me, that's the, when I look at the landscape, that's the only way really forward is to create, mm. uh, create our way out of this situation. Um, there's no guarantees. I mean, sure. There, the state of Iowa does have a really good uh, grant program for films, uh, the green light program, green light mm. grant. Encourage anybody think they have $400,000 to give away every year, hmm. something like that. Um, I'll have to look into that. And we got one of those for Kinnick. And we also got one for our other documentary we're working on right now about urban fox populations. Hmm. So you can look into it. And I think it does stretch beyond film. So if, if you're a sculptor or, or a writer or something like that, I think you can also apply. Double check me. But I think that's true. Um, and we still have a film office. Liz Gilman is, is doing a really nice job. Uh, a lot of work for her, uh, but she's she's working on it, and hopefully we'll just start to change public uh, perception and feeling about what film means in Iowa. Getting to the place where the governor and the legislature decides, you know what, let's put six hundred thousand dollars into the Greenlight Grant, or or bump up uh, what we're giving to the film office, which is called Produce Iowa now. That's really, to me, the only... That's the pathway I see forward. I don't I don't know what else we can do other than just to create. So do you think that comes in the form of, like, um, you know, getting some of these, you know, big corporate, um, you know, media companies? Do you think it that's giving them attention, or do you think it's purely just, you know, like you said, just creating good content, appealing to the masses? I think you'd, yeah, you need to create... Uh, good content, uh, but maybe more importantly, profitable content. Sure. Yeah. So if you're able to do that, usually money begets money. And so if you can show that it's profitable, then they're going to want to put more money into it. Uh, you know, we see like the what the the two gentlemen who wrote um, The Quiet Place. They're mm-hmm. They're from the Quad Cities. Now they're building a studio there. We have a new studio that's open in Clear Lake called Renovo, and they have it's an incredible studio. It, what they have there is so awesome. So we are starting to get the infrastructure in place um, to be able to support everything um, in in like centralized locations. We already have that, but those places are centralizing it, make it even easier for places from out of the state to come in and be like, oh, I'll just get that package from Renovo. That's the whole kit and caboodle. Boom. That's easier. So that's happening now. I think that's kind of the path forward. I'd love to be able to eventually, we have so much movie success that I'm able to build a a great studio here in Des Moines. We shall see. Yeah. That would be awesome. Keep me in the loop on that. All right. (laughs) Um, Jumping forward uh, to like your documentaries, I'm kind of curious because you seem to have very niche ideas for you. I mean, you had, what was the guy's name? The Heisman? Oh, Nick Nalkinick. Nick Nalkinick. Then you were talking about like you know foxhound. Uh, uh, urban fox population. Urban yes. fox population. What What do you think it is? And maybe you can't. I don't know if you can answer this, but like, what do you think it is that kind of gives you those like ideas? I don't know. Like, if I made a documentary, it wouldn't necessarily be about that. Like, it's very interesting. Yeah. I like it. Well, uh, the Kinnick, and we're also doing one on Jack Trice, who the stadium in Iowa State is named after. Okay. Or at Iowa State is named after. He was a 
he was the first black athlete at Iowa State, and in his first game in 1923, he was trampled to death. Um, he was oh, the only black wow. man on the field. So we're we're doing that documentary now. Now we did Nile and Jack's story because we coming back to my profitable uh, comment. <laughs> we. We know we have a built-in audience. I, I love sports as well, and those two gentlemen are historic figures in the state of Iowa. So we had a built-in audience, uh, so it set us up for success. Uh, they're also great stories. So we had a great story, we had, uh, and, and we had a good, great material, and we had an awesome built-in audience. So that's why it made sense to go down the sports path there. The Urban Fox Population one is, is a little bit more esoteric, to your point. It's more of a... Uh, National Geographic type of yeah. documentary, um, so it'll have a different audience and not necessarily just an Iowa audience. So we'll keep doing that. But I mean, ultimately, that what I choose to spend my time on uh, is things that I know that I want to spend my time on. I don't have that much time. Uh, I hope to live to a hundred, but still, <laughs> that's not that much time. So uh, w- you know, continuing to pick pick uh, pick wisely. Uh, projects and also starting to diversify the amount of people that I work with so that hopefully I can increase the amount of output of high quality profitable films okay um and maybe kind of just touched on this but like uh when you think of your audience are you thinking about the people in Iowa or outside are you trying to exponentially grow it what's your thoughts on that? always the audience is it comes so early in the process. It might come first. You might argue it comes first. You got to hmm. know that there's an audience. And if you choose that the audience is yourself, then that tells you a lot. Okay, so y- you got to decide what your audience is. Hmm. And so y- once you do that, we, for Kinnick, we wanted to make a film that we knew we knew Iowans would watch it, but we wanted to make an a film that didn't feel like an Iowa film. Where that it appealed to somebody in Montana if they watched it. If they watched it in Florida, they would get it. There are universals. It's not about, like, Iowa is the greatest state in the world. That's not what we're doing. We are telling the story of an American who grew up in Iowa and certainly is an Iowa legend, but uh, has, a, has a story that can appeal coast to coast. And so when you watch Kinnick, or you whenever Trice comes out, when you watch that, you'll notice... It's not a rah-rah state of Iowa film. It's not even a rah-rah university film. It's just, it's a documentary you would see um, coming from anywhere. And so we want to tell Iowa stories, but in a way that appeals to people far beyond Iowa. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you uh, just like about kind of like the film industry in general. Like, uh, you know, because we're, we're living in a day and age where, you know, there's, seven marvel movies a year we have you know streaming services like netflix um you know which uh you know for better or worse kind of widens the scope of you know media which you know people can criticize as you know good or bad or whatever i don't know what what do you think about the state of um film and media now compared to say i don't know 10 20 years ago do you think it's gotten better or worse what are your thoughts well i think hmm there we are in a golden age of television and uh, so I think TV has gotten better, but there's also a lot more crap. Uh, I think that's natural, though, because we just have so sure. many more avenues for people to drive down. And so you're going to get less and less quality. I think you can find now what's really great is you can find something that you're interested in, no matter what your demographics are. Mm. You can find something. Mm, that's um, very true. But, of course, that means that the money is getting spread and the talent's getting spread. Um, so the downside, I guess, would be, you know, maybe it's a little watered down. I, I would argue that that's more to do with uh, reality TV being mm, so cheap to make. I agree. I um, agree. Because, I mean, you look at things like Succession or, I mean, going back even farther to Breaking Bad. Or I should keep it more modern, like Better Call Saul. Yeah. These are high-quality storytells. And... And, and they wouldn't have existed uh, 40 years ago. There's just no way that, oh, yeah, uh, no, that they would have gotten past the, the, um, 
the uh, door garters. I'm trying to think of the actual what word I'm trying to use, but I just created, I just used door door guard, <laughs> garters. So there you go. Uh, the people who are, 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 are manning, I can't, still can't think of it, but you're just going to go with door garters. Um, <laughs> the people who um, are, are, are back 40 years ago, they just wouldn't have allowed that stuff. Sure, so yeah. now we have so many gatekeepers. There we go. Ah. I got it. Gatekeepers. <laughs> Same uh, thing. I got it. Just a different kind of door. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so I think that's ultimately right. It, it, it's just there are things that are it's better than ever. And then, of course, there are things that I think are just not very good quality. Um, that's subjective in some ways, mm-hmm. of course. But um, we right now, if you want to make film, there's been there's never been a better time. If you're not a star, if you were a star seventy years ago, well, the studios had all the power then too, so you <laughs> wasn't a great situation. But but at least there was so few channels for people to get your entertainment that. If you got onto a movie, that was a big deal. Mm. Now you get into a movie, eh, it may now it needs to be a hit. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of the double-edged sword of the day and age we're living in. Because like, like if you look at like music, for instance, like you know, um, as a musician, you can you know record something in your room and put it on Spotify, and you know it has the potential to catapult you. But at the same time, if you look you know 40 years ago you know however you know corrupt or whatever those you know those record labels were um it did enable you to be capable to that level like you knew for a fact if i get signed to sony or whatever that i'm gonna make it mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily exist anymore even if you get those studio contracts it, i mean just just because what we're talking about like how easy it is to pick up a camera and make something yeah and the studios have less patience i mean back mm-hmm. in the day like if you're looking at, I don't know, pick some random uh, Hall Notes. When they first got started, their first album, nobody really listened to because it didn't have a single on it, a traditional <laughs> single. Yeah. Now, She's Gone was on that album, but it, it didn't become a hit until they continued. They, they were able to like work on a couple albums before the radio or before the, uh, the, the uh, record company was going to cut them loose. And then she gone, she's gone, gets re-released, and becomes a mega hit. But now, you you just don't get as much time. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's an interesting thing with streaming is, is that a lot of shows they don't really pick up pop being popular until the third or fourth season. Mm-hmm. Like people wait to see: Am I going to invest in a show, a new show, or am I going to wait till it's? three or four years in where mm-hmm. now I can binge and get caught up and maybe watch the last couple seasons. I mean, I, Breaking Bad did that. It, it, it didn't get popular till I think the third or fourth season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Succession now is taking another giant leap and they have two or three episodes left. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, we are, it, the media landscape is ever changing. Uh, it, and use your word double-edged, it, there's, it is a double-edged sword. Uh, there's some good, there's some bad. It is what it is mm-hmm. to be cliche. Find your path in that. Yeah. I mean, that's life, right? Yep. You just got to figure it out. Uh, let me let me ask you this. Like, uh, you know, you, you have a love of film and all that. Like, what are some, when you think of, like, directors or, like, pieces of film, mm-hmm. you know, media or film or whatever, what are some of the favorites that come to mind? Well, I, f- this is... I, I relate really well to, um, and this is uh, controversial. So, I, but Woody Allen's films, uh, he is neurotic in the way that I am neurotic, and so when I he- be careful, no, yeah. <laughs> just, just like, so, I, like Midnight in Paris, I love Midnight in Paris. I know it's not the greatest film ever. Yeah, but I love that movie. I love it so much. I watch it so many times, hmm. um, and so and I think he is a good. I think he's a really good director. We're setting a, you know, separating the art from the artist. Yeah. No, I, I always I, try to do that. But uh, and so Woody Allen uh, movies, I certainly am enthralled and confused uh, by many times by Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm. I love his films. I, sometimes I don't understand what is happening or why he's choosing that shot but i know it's genius <laughs> so i just you learn a lot i learn a lot watching him same with kubrick oh yeah. uh, it's just uh 
just really interesting. And and then I mean, ultimately, uh, the Cohen brothers to me uh, are they mesmerize me. I love how their films do not hold your hand as an audience. You know, you look at something like No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. and it is. If you watch it the first time, you won't. I don't think you can get it on the first try. No, no, you, you have gotta to watch, watch it, it again. Yeah, because because they're not holding your hand, and you feel like what's supposed to happen in a traditional movie structure doesn't happen there. And and then you have to go back and figure out why did they make that choice, and then you start to be like, wow, that's that's mind blowing. I mean. There's so many great directors out there, and of course, there's some bad ones too. But <laughs> those, I guess, are just a handful of of my favorites. And yeah, I just I learn so much when I watch a, a film, especially the second time. Okay. Uh, again, this is a broad question. I'm full of broad questions. Uh, what uh, what like when you look at those directors and you look at you know how great those films are. Um, what in your mind distinguishes like a great film like you know uh, No Country for Old Men? There would be blood from you know whatever else. I'm not sure that anybody on earth knows, <laughs> honestly. Exactly. I, I, yeah. it, there is a magic that occurs where some things that you don't think will work turn into masterpiece. I, look at Gladiator, Ridley mm. Scott's Gladiator. They showed up on set. They had like 22 pages of a script. Oh, That's wow. it. And they kind of just made it up as they went. And I'm not even joking. Look at the history wow. of Gladiator. That that movie ended up winning the Oscar for Best Picture. <laughs> right? there. In no world did that film, was it supposed to end up like that. Now, you have Ridley Scott. It's a pretty good start. You have yeah. Rid- Russell Crowe. Pretty good start, right? But But they didn't have a script. Right, that doesn't make. Now you can have, you know, think of, I mean, Eric, it's Aaron Sorkin is maybe our best current screenwriter. Not all of his movies turn out that great, even though the script is amazing. So because there's so many things that go in to making a film, so many different people that have to be good, that it's you just I don't think you can pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for people who consistently deliver, say like the Coen brothers, they know story. They know they know how to tell the beats of a story. They know how to move between those beats. And their scenes are never, never flowing between each other because and then. It's mm-hmm. never scene A happens and then B happens. No, it's it's like, a happens, and it makes B happen. And then you start, and then C happens, and D happens. And it's always just building on each other. It's never, and then, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they get that. They just get it. Their pacings are so great. And obviously, their ability to, I mean, Steven Spielberg, oh, my God, like his ability to put your eye in the exact spot on the screen that he wants it by camera movement by action of the actors it is he might be the best ever at doing that mm. you won't you watch the film you won't even notice that's how smooth it is but if you go back and watch it on silent or something and just watch where he puts your eye he is moving your eye without you knowing it oh yeah that's awesome well yeah i mean like his wonders right like he has some of the best wonders in film, but you don't even realize that they're yep. wonders because they're so like, there's that one scene in Jaws where they're on the dock and that whole thing's a wonder, mm-hmm. but you don't even realize it. Cause it's just so like the dialogue and everything, and, you know, talking about like earlier, like how it's not just one thing. Um, the Coen brothers, I mean, they're a great example of that. There's, I mean, there's films that they've like written for, but not directed for. And you watch them and it just seems off. Mm-hmm. Like the script doesn't really flow with the, you know, what's going on on screen. So yeah, it's, it's not really one thing. It's just, it's this weird cultivation and like it fuck i haven't figured it out like there are very few people on the planet earth who yeah. have figured it out and and they might not even know yeah, exactly the right thing. they might not know so <laughs> it's a tough racket yeah that's interesting yeah like uh you know like when kubrick made clockwork orange she did that um they just showed up to set with the book yeah he just had the book and he's like okay today we're doing this page <laughs> 
can you imagine going to like a like Universal or Netflix and being like, hey, we're just going to do this book. Yeah, I haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> yeah, you know, there are only a few, when you get to that level. I mean, uh, Scorsese could do that. Yeah, you know, there are some people at Spielberg, as we talked, that that a studio would say, "Here's a blind check. Do whatever you want." Those people are becoming fewer and fewer. Yeah, yeah. there are thankfully some of them, like uh, you know Ari Aster, um, Dennis. I can never pronounce his last name, but the French Canadian director. He did. Um, Arrival, Scorpio, oh, um, or, or yes, I had Sicario. Now, um, oh God, Denise Vill- Villanueva. I can't even pronounce Villanueva. That. Villanueva. There you go. Yeah, directors like that. There's and yeah, there's there's brilliant uh, men and women out there who are are making mm-hmm. great films and um, yeah, we'll hopefully be able to do that stuff here in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. I think uh, you know we we talk about this you know with the music scene, but really anything. I think. You know, and you kind of talked about this in your um, your short, how I was like a flyover state. And like, it really is in a lot of regards. Like, I, I, you know, people come in every week and there's just so much talent in this, in this, like, you know, in this state. You can, like, feel it. It's bleeding talent. There's so many people out here who are really passionate about what they do. And then, you know, you get to know them. They're like, yeah, I got to go do my nine to five. Mm-hmm. And, like, you realize they're just a regular guy. And, like, you know, there's something beautiful in that. But it's almost kind of like, hey, like. If only like New York was here, you know, like all of you could be, you know, rolling. Well, you think that, but I was just down in Nashville and every bar I walked by, there's, you know, some country singer going and they are all so good. They sound like they should be on the radio and you just realize how much talent goes undiscovered Mm -hmm. every day on this planet. And, uh, but but that's also a credit to our species. I mean, we, we have a wide variety of skills, mm-hmm. and we have accomplished a lot. And hopefully we're able to, you know, become an interplanted planetary at some point so yeah. we can keep spreading the, <laughs> the talent. Yeah. Scott, um, we've been going for about 50 minutes here. I think this is a um, pretty good place to maybe wrap this up. Uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to mention or bring up before we maybe no, end? Just find something that you're good at and do it. Hell yeah. I mean that's that's what you should do, and uh, and I hope everybody stays happy, and I hope everybody's favorite bands stay together. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, what do you got coming down the pipeline for uh, in case anybody? Yeah, I got a lot of a uh, lot of client work coming up, uh, but we are um, uh, getting close to starting editing the uh, the Fox film, and then uh, I'm beginning the process of fundraising for the Jack Trice film, and then we have other scripts and other fun things coming down the down the road and uh, i think it's going to be a fun decade fun fun I, uh what was your what was your last film you just put on where can people find Kinnick, that? the documentary we're on amazon and apple tv so okay awesome. 4.99 awesome yeah. scott it's been it's been a real pleasure to have Thanks, you well. in here um guys tune in uh every monday and thursday at 7 p.m that's where we're at um we have a website com. And uh, we also have a Patreon, so if you'd like exclusive content like what we do, go check that out. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Peace.